Hello everyone, this is You've Got 5 Options, a radio show where we prove that 5 is a magic number. Our experts will give you 5 tips on how to make your private or professional life better. We will solve your life challenge by giving you 5 different options to choose from. And our guests will answer 5 exciting questions while live on air. Tune in and feel the magic of 5. Hello everyone, this is Marta and this is Anna and this is You've Got 5 Options show. Yes, and I was trying to use my deep voice because I'm trying to transform the hamster voice to the deep voice, but I don't know if I can make it for any longer. If you want to sound creepy, yes, you can. <laughs> I, I don't think it's, oh Jesus, I will just talk normally and I will think about it later. Maybe, you know, sometimes they are attaching that kind of little apparatus like Darth Vader and then you can sound differently, you know. Maybe I should try something like this. Who are they? People have, in movies. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever heard uh, the guy who do um, honest trailers? Honest trailers. Yeah. yeah. He have the best voice ever. It's not his real voice. I I don't know. I have no idea, but it's crazy cool. Yeah. Maybe yeah. maybe he is actually also using apparatus. Is that even a word? I guess in some language. An apparatus. You made, it very, you, you, you made it very Danish, yeah. Maria, which <laughs> is our guest in the second part of interview. I would like to remind you that if you have missed the first part, when we talked about so many interesting and uh, criminal things, like, for instance, how to be different in Denmark, where, um, let's say, the mainstream philosophy is that everyone should be rather the same and how to pull up with a business that is totally different and tries to make a difference and how to live according to your value and actually say no to some customers. If you want to hear all of this, you need to go back to the first part. And it's available on our website, the5options.com, Spotify, iTunes, any podcasting app, and of course, YouTube. And on our YouTube channel, you can find all of our episodes that we have recorded in the radio. You just have to look for us. It's You've Got Five Options. It's for free. Everything is for free, by the way. Like, guys, you don't have to pay any money. So I hope that you will revisit the first episode. And in the second one, Maria will tell us about her five strategies, Marta, to... To create a world free of boring marketing. Yes. So Maria has given us a teaser mm. of the headlines for those five strategies. And we will, Maria, ask you to give the teaser again, please. Okay. So five strategies are, why are you even here? Who the fuck are you talking to? But all the others are, well, no. What's the worst idea you have? And the last one, and the most important one, fuck shit up. Okay. Fuck shit up. We have to remember like to keep the track of time. So we have the time for the most important one at the end. Yes, <laughs> yes. definitely. So the first one. Why are you even here? What's so important about that strategy? Well, it's uh, again, it's a refer to the why, the why of your business. And you, all of you have heard about Simon Sinek and the Golden Circle, so I don't have to. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to avoid. Yeah, him, yes. Exactly. In a positive way. In a positive way. Yeah. But in when we work with marketing and of course I work with content marketing and branding, 
the why of it all is so important because that is the foundation of what we're doing. It's uh, it's you know why you do what you do. The entire thing that what you want people to remember you by and the why why you want people to reach out to you. So when we do what we do and if we want to create a world free from boring marketing, we have to find out what's the core of your business um, because if you don't have any. And if you, if the core of what you're doing is trying to make money, yeah, well, get in line because then you're like everybody else. And that is an impossible way to start out if you want to actually create something that's interesting. Okay, mm-hmm. so that would be those clients that would be a no-go for the listeners who just tuned in for the second part. Maria has actually revealed that she has said no to several clients because it was not in uh, compliance with your values. Yeah. So it's actually, you have given us a very good taster of your mm-hmm. why. Yeah, and um, Again, definitely. The most most of the clients I've said no to have had a um, some kind of you know a value statement where they don't really create anything uh, better in the world. Well, it's all about you know they have to push a product or something like that, and I just I just can't work with people like that. I know that there's a lot of companies out there who haven't created their why, and that's totally fine. You, you know, it's a long process. It's fine that you don't have this magical sentence um, but the clients I take have an uh, you know they want to do this they, they have a, a desire to create something better in the world and they have the, a desire to help people and they have a desire to go and do something new and we can work with that so we will not shock our listeners probably if we tell them that the why of Goa marketing is we want to create a better world free from boring marketing yeah that's a surprise so this is (laughs) (laughs) but this is a really great yeah it's a fantastic mission statement because we know exactly what you why you are in marketing so Mm -hmm. you actually tell people what you do Mm. but your mission statement is is straight away you know in your face you know so not only you want to save the world from Mm. a free boring uh, from a from a boring marketing but you also, by the same thing, state that you are different, that yeah. you will do different things. You will go in uh, corners that no one else, go, no one else goes, that mm-hmm. you will not be able to break the rules. So I think it's a fantastic mission statement, actually. Yeah. So now we have talked about it and we have given a very good example <laughs> of uh, how to work with why are you even here. So tell us about the second strategy. The second strategy. Who the fuck are you talking to? And again, I like to put, you know, explicit words in here because come on, guys. When I um, sometimes when I go to uh, to new clients, they would say, you know, I ask them, okay, who are we talk? Who are you guys targeting? Who do you need to reach? Who uh, who is your client? And they would say something like, okay, again, we live in Denmark. We are like five, seven million people or so. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Some of my clients would go and say, um, basically, all of Denmark. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and I would just sit there like, um, you need to know who you're talking to, because if you truly understand the specific person you're, you're talking to, you cannot ever make something boring. Because mm-hmm. if you have a true understanding of the person you're sitting right next to, you will, of course, you will understand what they like. You will understand what they like to look at, um, what turns them on, um, what values do they have, all those things. And it's so freaking important 
not only the geographical um, and demographical and sociographical uh, factors, <laughs> but you really need to understand, you know, yeah. what person it is. Um, and most of the companies I work with actually have a, a B2B, you know, business to business. Yeah. Um, and many of them are a little bit, you know, um, they say, ah, man, it's not like that when we work B2B, it's more B2C because that's real people, uh, some weird thing to say. Yeah, but you know, I I always like to say that you, whether you are a B two B, B two C, or B two G, like business to government company, there is another person on the other end of the phone line. Yeah, you know, and there is a person on the other side of the screen, and there is a person sitting right across from you when you sit at a meeting, and it's a person. It's not a company. It's not a government agency. It's a person. And it's that person you have to convince that you have the good idea, you have the perfect uh, product for them, and so on. And that's what you need. So who the fuck are you talking to? What's the actual person here? And we want a person, a real mm-hmm. That's human. really interesting approach when it comes uh, to business to business. Mm. Because I could actually, I at the beginning, I was translating it for myself in my own head, thinking like, of course, especially with well-defined businesses you actually have some value proposition and Mm. so you can actually target the types of business that will not be for you like for example you yourself already defined by the mission Mm. of the company so they would not be the right ones for you if they are not trying to change the world into a better place right so in this case i could translate it in this way like you know if you're business to business what kind of businesses are you actually targeting it's a very interesting statement to say that even if it's B2B or B2G to government, that you still think about the person that is sitting there behind. And how would that work if it's like a larger company? Because in small in small businesses, it's very one to one. If you have two, three people, of course, the values are so, you know, directly translated from the heart to the business. But when it's a larger company, how do you target the person then? Well, um, in our case, in uh, in Goa, we uh, I actively target a person um, who is, uh, you know, who's re- ready to make this change. Who I can, um, I can talk to, who understands what I am, I am saying, and we have some kind of of same value, and they are ready to, to go out and make some a, a different kind of uh, approach to this. Um, so it's basically, it's the decision maker um, you target when you want uh, to get into a, also a larger firm. It's still the decision maker. And the decision maker is again. He's uh, he or her are still a human being. Are probably on Facebook, on Instagram, or LinkedIn. Um, and when you write them an email and stuff, it's still a person. And it's if it's that person who's going to make the decision, it's that person you need to reach. Then you can have again on the business to business side, where as you also said that the values are the same and. And when you go into the websites that you are able to convey what the business is all about and how the team works, and that's also uh, employer branding and employee branding, there's, uh, there's also a lot there, but we can't get into that. So yeah, there, there's the two-sided thing, that you have to have the more static um, way of, uh, of handling your marketing, which is the very business way, where you have your values, you have your... Your um, your visual content, your you know the website and the business cards and blah 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 blah, which is very very static, very very businessy. Um, and then you have the people, and that's that's really where the decision is made. I don't think that anyone, especially now where we're going, 
regarding the you know how we do business and uh, and this generation the new generation that is going to on the market right now where we're going now it's the decisions of who we want to um, to deliver stuff to your company would be largely based on the value proposition and the person and the people and we like uh, we in much more greater sense we would like things to be especially made for us which again comes down to who are you talking to here um, and what do they need so as you say many people struggle with defining that and many mm. clients that you start working with they are like yeah but it's the whole Denmark yeah so If you had to give only one advice, you know, the best thing to do, how to define who the fuck are you talking to? What would be Or where the one to start? Part? Yeah, where to start? Where to start? Um, again, depending on your, your value statement and your product, there would be, I hope that you started with defining, you know, a problem you want to solve. Who have this problem? And then you get into, um, you to start from the, the top where you have secondhand uh, data You go into uh, the different. There's always a, um, a you know a sum of businesses in the country. I think it's Virk or Prof in Denmark where you can, uh, or the CVR register where you can pull out uh, companies in different sizes and industries. And then you go into okay, who is the decision maker in this specific type of a company? And you can go into you know look at where where do they place geographically, and then you can get some more secondhand knowledge. And then when you have all that. You can start asking questions. So you start with the problem statement and mm -hmm. you make your research. Yeah, a very, exactly. very thorough research. Thank you. You have already even pointed <laughs> out like where you can make the, that research yeah, in Denmark. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the third strategy is? The third strategy is um, this, but all the others are. And then, no. It, it's the idea... You get when uh, you go out and uh, and someone is saying, yeah, we would like to do this because our competitors do this. And that, again, is just, it's not the right way to do things. You don't have to do stuff because other people are doing stuff. Um, you know that. It's it's just a weird thing. And people get, and businesses do that as well, where they say, okay, our competitors are here. But then we would like to be here too. You know, a lot of, lot of people are on Facebook and so we need to be on facebook it's it's just it's not the right reason uh, you have to ask yourself why you do things and if the answer for why you're doing this is because other people are doing it then you're doing it wrong so i i really think here when we are looking at our competitors and you have to look at your competitors as a business of course you have look at this take note what mistakes have they made What things did they do that worked? And then go back to your company and go back to your value proposition, your why and your client base and see, okay, regarding our our why, we uh, we can see that this would work better for us or we can imply, you know, if in my case, my many of my client base are on LinkedIn, for example. But if I looked at uh, some of my, you know, some other businesses or looked into how many people that are on Facebook, I would uh, spend more time there, but it doesn't make sense because if I want, you know, to have new clients, most of them go from, you know, come from LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. um, so, and there are fewer people on LinkedIn. But in this case, I know that my uh, the my target group they are here, and uh, then I decide what how to communicate with them. Um, and it's also different. The way I communicate is also different from my, you know, competitors because you need 
to differentiate yourself. You need to stand out, again, make yourself noticeable. And you are not noticeable if you do stuff like the same way as everybody else. If you do the same as your client uh, or, you know, as your competitors, you are not going to get noticed. It's as simple as that. I think there is even like a a risk that you might get noticed, but you might Mm. simply suck at what they are doing. (laughs) I just remember a story that we were talking about last weekend, I think at at your place, Marta, when we were talking about this rivality between uh, Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger, when they were two big movie stars, Mm -hmm. you know, action heroes. And, you know, one makes uh, Commando, the other one makes Rambo. They were basically copying everything. And then Arnold went into comedy. And surprisingly, he was good. (laughs) <laughs> but then Sylvester, of course, was convinced by his agent that he should also do stop or my mom will shoot. And that was a horror. Well, horror, not because it was scary, but it was embarrassing. Yeah. And he is even reflecting on this in interviews like we had this rivality and it was not even there, but it was so much accumulated by the agents. And whatever mm. he was doing, I had to do the same. So basically, this is copying exactly yeah. the other guy. And, uh, you know, and at the moment when they went into the comedy genre, Sylvester Stallone failed miserably. So that's why we also shouldn't copy the strategies of our Mm -hmm. competitors, because we might simply suck at doing what they are doing well. Yeah, completely right. Yeah. So is it well understood that the strategy here is actually to find yourself and go by what you are and what's special about you Mm. and then build your brand and business on your uniqueness. Of course, uh, on your uniqueness and your and what your client base, of course, would like to see, you know, your 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 target group. Um, But yeah, you're completely right uh, about that. Sometimes, you know, what the competitors are doing just just don't fit and then the your your marketing would get distorted and and non-authentic because it isn't you and it never have been and never should be yeah there's that um i think there's a, i was in amsterdam doing a talk about the future of content marketing um and there we have a a guy from a, a firm called kemosabe uh, ian or Irv, as he liked to call himself and kemosabe has this yeah if you go and look for him on linkedin his name is Dash Irv Dash. So it means I will never find him. Okay. No, yeah. It's <laughs> impossible to look for. Um, but he, um, in Kemosabe, they has this idea that you have to have an idea that is so tight and an inch wide. So if you have your why and your target group and you look for a way to differentiate yourself, it should be so well defined that you would be able to see that is your company on every channel you go to. It should be so clear what you're doing and why you're doing things and who you're doing it for that your visual identity and your communication is so distinct that if you see you know, your brand or your company on Instagram or Facebook or at a billboard somewhere or in the radio. It's like one second recognition. Exactly. And that's that's the absolutely strongest kind of marketing. It's that instant recognition. And that's only possible if you have a well-defined why and target group and you know who you are. Okay. Thank you for that. That was a very well-explained, hardcore 
tight mm. value adding marketing. Okay. Yeah. The fourth strategy is... What's the worst idea you can think of? I'm very curious about this. Shoot, Maria. <laughs> Shoot, yeah. criminal. Now we basically get into, you know, how to create. Uh, mm-hmm. How how do you create your campaigns and stuff like that? And this, uh, what's the worst idea you can think of, is a uh, brainstorm strategy that we use in, uh, in Goa. Mm-hmm. We simply sit down with a shitload of post-its and we just ask, what's the worst thing? How? What's the worst solution to this problem? What's the worst marketing idea we can think of in any sense? And then we just, you know, take time and we just start writing. And it's and it's, it's always uh, some, in some sense, there's always someone writing something about Nazis. I, I don't know. It's, it's <laughs> <laughs> it always happens. Someone has to write Hitler on a post-it every time. <laughs> Damn sure. Um, But this uh, kind of brainstorming push you to uh, to think about things differently. It push you to open up. It's like you open completely up of all the shit. Mm-hmm. Just bring it, just bring it. All the bad ideas, all the stuff, you know, what would be the worst idea possible. And sometimes when we stop and we look at this and we begin to actually think about, you know, why is this a bad idea? What makes this idea bad? And... Is it even a bad idea? Sometimes the best ideas we get started out as a bad idea. Really? Yeah, because it's it's so far out. When you open up like that in a brainstorm session, some of the things you write is they are so far out and so funny, and you just you know you begin to think about is is this even possible? Can we actually do this? Mm-hmm. Is this are we able to to make to make stuff like this, or can we make it so it actually work? Because mm-hmm. sometimes the worst ideas are the ones with the most impact. Um, again, when you think about bad ideas, you don't think about the, you know, society, you know, how the confinements are again, because it's a bad idea. Obviously, Hitler yeah. pops out. So that yeah, means yeah. that you really have no no boundaries, you mm-hmm. know, and that's actually a good part. But again, um, you everyone has seen Lion King, right? Yeah. Yeah. The scene of Scar singing Be Prepared, mm-hmm. that scene is based on a Nazi uh, yeah. Yeah, propaganda video. Yes. And it works so well. It's so impactful. Mm-hmm. But it probably, someone probably started out by stating that as a really bad idea. Uh, it I, could I think, be. Yeah, I think someone uh, in the creative department of Disney when they pointed out that we should make a copy of this propaganda video. In a Disney cartoon about a little uh, lion. lion. Yes, we should put the the Hitler uh, (laughs) propaganda. And I think Mm. this is an amazing example to show how this can really be helpful. And now we are on to the fifth strategy because it was supposed to be the most important one. So tell us, Maria. Yeah, the fifth. Fuck shit up. Yeah. It is basically the thought process you have to have when you want to create something that's not boring, when you want to create a better world free from boring marketing. You have to be able to create change and you have to accept that creating change is fucking stuff up. It just, that's that's how it is. Um, if you want to create something, if you want to make an impact, someone is going to get pissed off because someone doesn't agree and it's, that's, how it's always is always going to be like that if you want to cut uh, fossil fuels you piss off 
uh, the fossil fuel companies. Sure. That's just how it is. Yeah. If you want to cut down on your your how much meat you eat, you would piss off uh, the guys who produce that. If you want t- people not wearing red, there's a lot of red in this studio. Someone's going to get pissed off. (laughs) But even if you will present a very different idea to the board Mm -hmm. at the university and it's not up to the taste of the guy, even if he doesn't lose Mm it. The guy from the board, he didn't from the first episode when you were, you know, standing in front of the the board at your university showing your idea. He was not losing anything by by saying yes or no, being in or out. Mm-mm. But he was just because it was not up to his alley. He was like, this, this is not serious. You know, this will never work. What the hell is this? Mm-hmm. Because it's against his values. So sometimes then th- there doesn't even have to be a business in it. No. It's against your values. You will protest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you're completely right. It's it's come to, to everything. Again, that guy in the board, he wouldn't lose anything by saying, yeah, yeah, we validate your company. It no. wouldn't mean anything to him at all. Uh, but it would mean everything to us. Exactly. Um, but he he still was able to say that yeah. he's unhappy because it hit his values. Exactly. He doesn't believe in it. He thinks it's stupid. Mm-hmm. He has his own idea. And I think that uh, you have to have a courage to fuck shit up exactly. and to make the change. Yeah. And you, ha- you really have to sit down and tell yourself that this is okay. You have to accept that you're going to get into conflict and you are going to, you can't make everybody like you. So you, you just have to accept that. And that's a really hard thing to accept. And it's, it takes a long time to, to rest so much in yourself that you're able to accept someone's going to get pissed about this and I'm going to take it and I'm going to work with it because I believe it and this is going to work. Um, also, some of the best marketing campaigns we've seen uh, during the last years went against stream and have created an impact. It's called, uh, I don't know, have you heard the term corporate uh, social activism? Corporate social activism. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, that's... If you look at the big companies right now, mm-hmm. they're going there. Um, I think the best example of co- corporate social activism is uh, Nike with the, the calling Kaepernick um, at the guy from, what was it? Uh, he was what, basketball or yeah, football or something uh, Sports, like probably. Yeah. <laughs> In uh, the US. And um, basically the entire thing was even before he... He got uh, in the face of, uh, um, of he went and wore the face of Nike. He um, and that's the Danish way of saying Nike. Mm, yes, <laughs> Nike. Um, he uh, he didn't uh, stand up during the you know the American uh, what's the anthem? Yeah, that's the word. Yeah. that's the word. Yeah. Um, yeah, they are protesting right now yeah. against uh, crimes and uh, I think against. Uh, like, Police brutality, mm-hmm. and they are not standing up while uh, some of them. Yeah, yeah, some, yeah. Um, and then uh, Nike went in, and they uh, they made him the face of their campaign, um, stating believe in something even though it you it means you sacrifice everything. Mm-hmm. And that campaign is social uh, corporate social activism at its best. They directly take a value like we do, like a better world. They take the value. They want to create a change here, and they run with it. Doesn't you know? No, uh, no fussiness. No, we want to everyone to like us. They take a stand, and they put it out there, and the campaign went viral. Of course, and people got angry, and they started to burn Nike shoes. And what did Nike do? 
they told them how to most uh, securely burn their shoe. Because they didn't give a fuck. You know, because they believed in this shit. They believed in it and they did it, you know, they, f- they fucked shit up and they ran with it and they pissed people off and it worked and they made six billion since the release of that campaign. I, I have to say that this is one uh, campaign with, uh, you know, cojones, mm. like a huge balls, because mm. I remember when it came out, I actually have seen the footage from the football stadium mm. and I saw those uh, players not standing up and it was... It was, was yeah, so I could yeah. imagine the backlash and angry people. But Extremely. smart thing about, we will tell you how to burn the shoes because suddenly you don't feel like burning those shoes anymore, no. right? And again, they accepted, you know, that's yeah. like, yeah, we pissed you off. Yeah, mm-hmm. fine. Burn the it's shoes. Fine. Burn the shoes. Safely. Go ahead, but safely. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. And it's amazing to see also corporations mm. going there. So on that note, I unfortunately have to close yes. our... Amazing, heated, and very interesting discussion. Thank you so much, Maria, for joining us at the studio. I hope this is not the last time. And uh, we definitely have some more content we could cover. Mm -hmm. So hopefully we can meet you again. And thank you, Anna, for co-hosting. And to all our listeners, thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You are listening to You've Got 5 Options radio show, where we hopefully convinced you that 5 indeed is a magic number. To catch up with our previous programs, apply to be our guest, send us your life challenge, or just to see how do we really look like, visit our website, the5options.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode and that you will come for more. That's all, folks! <laughs>